Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. How? What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. Okay, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? Tennessee. I'm going to be in Tennessee. It's Mark Marin. This is WTF. Thank you for listening. I'm a little disjointed, but I will be in Nashville at Zany's this weekend, the uh, Friday the 20th and Saturday the 21st for four shows. If you're in the area, come down. Looking forward to coming back to Tennessee, but I will be there. And also Tuesday night, this Tuesday night, the 17th, if you're in the Los Angeles area, and this is just between us because it's supposed to be sort of an under-the-radar gig, my preference. I'm going to be at the Steve Allen Theater at the Trippany House. 8 o'clock p.m. show. I think there's still some tickets for that left. I will be uh, doing what I do, trying to generate some material. I used to do this uh, at the UCB Theater sometimes. You know, sometimes when I'm on the road, it's hard for me to, uh, you know, to do the new stuff as a, as, as to force myself into it because that's just my process. My process is not the process I would recommend for, for any other comedian. I don't know how many people utilize my process, but it's taxing, and I'll get into that in a minute. But if you want to come see me go through that, the uh, power floundering, the wrestling with self, the uh, fighting against old material and trying to engage in newer ideas, that, that this show would be for you. I think it's a reasonably priced show. I think it's $10. Uh, I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it for the time. The uh, It's going to be a not a low expectation show, but I'm going to try to get some work done. If you'd like to witness that uh, event of, uh, of, of Marin me, did I just talk about my per- myself in the third person? I don't like when people do that. And I just did it, but Marin does that sometimes. Fiona Apple is on the show today. A uh, lovely conversation. I'll think you will enjoy. I was certainly surprised by it. Uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, the timing of it, uh, you know, I, it was just one of those interviews that, that unfolded like that. Her new album has an, a tremendously long title, and it's a great fucking record. The Idler Wheel is wiser than the driver of the screw, and whipping cords will serve you more than ropes will ever do. That's a hell of an album title. I'll be talking to Fiona Apple in just a minute, but I would like to reflect uh, for those of you who are still with me and not fast-forwarding to Fiona Apple. I want to reflect on me. Surprise surprise but the fiona apple conversation got me thinking about some things and uh, it all sort of comes together uh in in the conversation we had with her uh, that i had with her and also like i just went to a wedding that uh it was uh, it was an event that i you know, from the invitation i didn't know how fancy the event was going to be it's never some people are not very clear with their invitations but this was a buddy of mine uh a manager good guy i've known him for 20 years i never thought yeah, it's, it's probably, it might even be more, 92, 2002. Yeah, probably 20 years and change. And just the fact of that, I don't know how old you are or, or where you are in your life, but the fact that I've known people for 20 years, that I've been in this community for 25 years, that this has been my home, you know, the world of comedy, the world of show business, sometimes more, sometimes less, but it is where I live. It is, these are the people that I've been around for years, but you know, I don't see everybody all the time. And you know that from me talking to people on this show, but I went to this wedding and it turned out to be a real deal. He had eloped with a a woman and they wanted to, they went out and got married, but they wanted to have a ceremony uh, here in town. And I got there and, and a lot of people I've known for 20 years were there. 
And I, I got to be honest about myself here. There, there were times in my life where I, I don't know how you are with high school reunions, but I could not go to my high school reunion uh, to, until I at least had done Letterman. I just I couldn't do it. That, that that weird pride and shame of going to a reunion of any kind, and this could even be a party for fuck's sake, where I don't feel like I've made the grade. I don't feel like I've got enough to share. Yeah, I never wanted to be the guy who uh, you know shows up at the the reunion. People are like, "What do you do?" And I'm like a comedian, and then they go, "Really? I'd never seen you. You're always funny, but I'd never seen you." And that still happens because you know, as you know, I'm not uh, a huge. Uh, a comic in in the world of everybody. You know, I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm just trying to be objective. But, uh, you know, there was a time where I I would, you know, be uncomfortable at this party because everybody was there. People you know from this show, uh, you know, Patton was there and and Posehn was there and Todd Glass and uh, Sarah Silverman and Shanley was there. It was was a big thing. A lot of people from the other side of the industry were there. More comics. I'm not uh, paying short shrift. But but it was just, I'm at some weird age where whatever my anxieties were, and certainly I'm still a proud guy, certainly I'm still a petty guy. You know, obviously I have my problems. I think some are more manageable than others. But there was a time where I would have went to that uh, party and thought that all that it indicated was that I was not as successful as as these other people. Now, I, I'm not saying that that, you know, is not an, uh, a, a truism, but uh, it was not, it, it, it didn't even cross my mind. Uh, I was just so thrilled to be there for my buddy who was getting married. They did a ceremony. He married a Korean woman and they had Korean food and they did a Korean ceremony in in uh, traditional outfits. This is a Jewish guy. And I thought for that crowd, I'll tell you, you know, that, that took some real, uh, some real naches, some real chutzpah to don the uh, traditional Korean garb and, and do the, uh, the wedding ceremony. And then he uh, added the stepping on the glass thing. After. It was lovely. And, you know, Todd Glass emceed and there was like 300 people there. But I actually felt uh, great to to be there for him, for him to you know, for 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 him to be uh, have all his friends around him, and and I maybe I'm getting a little selfless. I'm becoming a little more human. It was wonderful to see people I hadn't seen in ten years, or see people that you know we don't really always talk all the time, but just to feel like it was part of a community, and I wasn't sitting there going like I know what this is about. This is about you know I'm not I'm not at this level. I'm not I'm not this guy. I'm not that guy. But it was just. You know, it was a bunch of people that have worked together for years and have been friends for years, you know, showing up for somebody else and having a nice time. And uh, I know that I shouldn't congratulate myself on that, that there was no pettiness and there was no uh, uh, ugliness inside of me, that I, I felt good that uh, I was there in present and having a good time at my buddy sing. That's the kind of fucking person I am, that I have to sit here and tell you that, that I have to pat myself on the back for doing something that regular people who are wired with the appropriate emotional structure, give or take a couple of connections, don't even think twice about. I got to congratulate myself for not being a douchebag or being petty or making it about me when I go to someone else's wedding. That's fucking ridiculous. But it's true. It's true. And the weird thing about age is that it'll just humble you. It will level you. There are things that you are freaking out about now that will be so fucking just nonsense. Just nonsense. It's a relief. 
it's it's a relief on some level that as you get older, you forget shit and, and things lose their, your, their importance. They lose the power of, of heartbreak that they had over you. They lose the power of you using it as a bat to beat the shit out of yourself. But I also realize this is about my process. Getting back to the, you know, the trip anyhow show on Tuesday, I don't know why I work the way I do. And believe me, I beat myself up about it all the time. What I do is I write some fucking random ideas, some random thoughts on a piece of paper. I have some things I want to talk about. I don't write jokes. I'm not writing what I'm saying right now, which, you know, know, sometimes they're better than others, but this is all happening in the moment. And I take them up on stage. And if I have the courage to overcome the fear of knowing that I don't know where the fuck it's going, I will chase those thoughts down until something funny happens. And I do it in front of people. I corner myself in front of a room full of people with, uh, you know, small to, uh, you know, uh, to large expectations of, of who I am as a performer. And, and I get out there on the ice and I do that. I've done that all my life. I'm surrounded by random pieces of paper. And I can't tell you as long as I've lived and I'm sitting there holding a napkin, a, a, a matchbook, a post-it note, uh, you know, a piece of paper that I wrote on the back of, you know, the do not disturb sign that's blank on the other side. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into coffee shops and taken and looked through the stack of flyers for one with a blank uh, back on it. And I've got a fucking iPhone I can write notes on. This is not my process. On some level, I think like, what are you? an idiot why don't you just go write this shit out why don't you type it why don't you put it down why don't you structure it i don't know why well then then i say well that's why you're not a bigger comedian that's why you know you you leave things untagged for years man i don't know why that is but you know what i accept it now i don't suggest this to anybody I don't suggest my process, but clearly I have to be in a state of panic and cornering myself on stage in order to generate new ideas. And they happen in the moment. And then can you capture that moment? Maybe you should record it. That's a good idea. Why is it that I, before I go on stage, when I'm, I have plenty of equipment to record things, but every time I do something amazing, I got to be wandering around going, did anyone get, did you get that on tape? Was someone uh, videotaping this? Cause I need it. I'm the only comic in the world when everyone else is saying, you know, it, it pisses me off that people record shit on their phones because then they put up half-baked bits that i'm working on up on the internet and it ruins it i'm the comic after the show running around going did somebody get that because i need it could you forward that to me off of your phone and you know fortunately again this is where it's not a liability not to be a huge uh, celebrity is you know no one's really doing that and i have a pretty polite audience and i'm not you're all very polite actually the wait staff they love my audience i, I do want to congratulate you on that you behave like uh, grown-ups and you're nice people and I appreciate that. And I'm not asking you to record my sets. Don't misunderstand me. But usually, you know, sometimes the, the the club will do it or whatever. But I'm the only guy that I know that's like, uh, I hope somebody caught that because I want to remember it. But that's my process and I have to accept that. And as I get older, it's easier to accept things. I just, look, I'm a raw nerve. I'm not for everybody. I'm a vulnerable lunatic at times. I'm a little happier than I was, but each day is a new journey, uh, you know, into the abyss of me and out of the abyss of me. And sometimes I just walk along the edge and appreciate the canyon, appreciate the view and say, hey, maybe, you know, someday I could build a bridge over this and we could really look down into the pit. Yeah, but that's a lot of work. I mean, that's the other thing about going to that wedding you know, I'm very proud about what I'm doing here and uh, you know, I'm pretty comfortable in my skin and I feel like, you know, I, my creativity and, and who I am is out there and the way I want it to be out there. And that makes a big difference in how you approach situations. If you're not you know, approaching the situation going, I haven't done shit, but I do fly by the seat of my pants. I don't know if you know that it's happening now. You're listening to it. But this is a sad part. I think that, you know, if you're one of those people that doesn't prepare and you wing it and you improvise your life, give or take, 
you're protecting yourself against you know from something you know if i don't prepare and it and it and it works i'm a fucking genius you know i pulled it off if i don't prepare and it doesn't work then yeah i didn't prepare yeah why didn't that work i should have prepared more so you find some balance in there and you accept it you know, I accept that people are going to say shitty things about me on the internet or wherever, but you know what? That's not my problem. That's their problem. Part of the problem with me is that my craft requires a vulnerability that is somewhat dangerous and that's just the way it's going to go. And at some point, you know, my anger will drive me, but at some point it's like, well, you know, this is it. This is who I am. I've got to live with it. I'm putting it out there in the world. And that's a tough, that's a tall order. And it's taken me a long time to do it, but Self-acceptance will come if you let it. Someone on Twitter just said, you should interview Fiona Apple. And I thought, I remember her. We used to kind of talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And they're like, she's got a new record coming out. I'm like, oh, fuck, okay. I didn't say all this in my head. I said it. I just saw the text. I didn't respond to it. And then I texted you. But that's, now that's nice that you said that though. I'm glad that I asked because then now this person knows that they that their voice matters. Oh yeah, maybe I should uh, tell her because you do. Have now her. it sounds like you know this person. I don't know this person at all. Is I'm, it I'm her? Pr- I think it's a her. Yeah. You think everything's a her? You think that the cat? Yeah, I, I tend to. Yeah, and I'm usually <laughs> wrong. I know you're a her, <laughs> right? We know that. Really, thank you for saying yeah, that because course. you. No, no, seriously. What? What? It actually means something to me to be called a her because I have this thing where um, I've been called by boyfriends that I'm I'm not even a girl I'm a creature. Really? Yeah. Why that's it? come out more than once is creature that I'm a creature. And and how does that happen? What what I don't know why it's this is a problem. Just, but it, it, just in the middle of conversation or are you acting? No, at some point I've just I don't know I can't even remember the exact moments when it was said. Is um, it shortly before they leave? Or no, whenever? no, it's in a loving way, but uh. I always take it. In a way of like, you mean I'm like, <laughs> like a some monster, kind of weird creature that you're just kind of strangely attracted to. I mean, or tra- am I a girl? So you transcend gender and species into just a general creature. I guess. You remember the last time I think we texted was uh, over a uh, like a, a the bug over that bug. Oh, the potato bug. The potato bug. The Jerusalem cricket. I I, I have and you another had, bigger one now. You got another potato bug. Yeah, my brother gave it to me. What, he what is saved it? it for me because he knows. He brought it in alive. No, it's dead. He found it. They are so nasty. And it was the that's a creature. I was. It was the best moment ever. I felt so loved by him when he brought you a potato he bug, saved big me. dead potato bug. <laughs> yeah. You never see those things, and whenever you do, it's like holy fuck. There's, where did that come from? Yeah, they're very disturbing. Yeah. I don't even know what they are. And they do have that look about them with the personality, the same as naked mole rats, where like you can see that they, they don't know people. They don't, yeah. I'm not to be seen. We're not, yeah, we're not surface things. Yeah. We're uh, underneath things. Yeah. So when did you, uh, when did you finish this record? Paul, I finished this record almost like two years ago. But like, how long did you work on it? I'm really, really bad with time. I think that it happened over the course of like maybe... I, I don't even know if it was a year or two years or somebody might be like, no, it was seven months. No, it was four years. What do you, How do you not uh, see time go by? What are you doing out there? Where you live, Venice? Mm-hmm. What are you doing up there in the, in the house in Venice? Just hanging around? I don't know what I do. I mean, I do know what I do. This is how I picture it. <laughs> 
Like, I picture you get up, and if there's no one in the house, you're talking anyways. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there's never anyone in the house. You're right. And you're talking out loud to things. <laughs> and then, like, you know, you start to eat something, and you don't eat it. Uh, I make a shake. Oh, okay. What's that involved? Because I ate one today, and it was too much. Um, Kale? N- no, um, I used to do my own juicing for a while. That's a mess. It, I and I had the one that did the slow grinding thing, so that you had to like take it apart after everything. Right, yeah. But it yeah. wasn't that bad, though. But when you're in the thing, when you have nothing else going on yeah. in your life, it's okay. Yeah, take but, the time to juice. Take <laughs> yeah. an hour. Juicing, hour, hour and a half. Or if you're okay with leaving it, which I'm not. Yeah, because um, then bugs come. I want them to have a machine where that just does like ginger shots or yeah. something like that. that would ginger be shots would be good. Ginger garlic. Like that's yeah. all you'd really need. Yeah, just that's me, all you need I'd to eat. I'd buy the juice and then, and then just make the ginger and fresh garlic. Yeah. Just a ginger garlic shot. That's all you need. Just what do you least. think that does for you? Is it a heart thing? Because I had ginger in mine today. I felt really proud of myself and it felt like it, it was a doing something. Those two things yeah. um, are, I don't know, those are like the two the of good most things. potent things. That and turmeric, right? <laughs> Turmeric, does that do anything? I was taking that for a while. I don't know, man. You can't feel it when it's the that stuff. It has to be like a lifestyle that you have it in your system, that it works with you all the time. So what's in the juice now? What are you juicing? What are you doing? What's the drink? Um, I like uh, this company, Garden of Life. Yeah. Um, They seem to do everything right. Yeah. Um, you mean ideologically they're on the right path? Yeah, I mean, well, he, the guy who started, I can't remember his name, but he wrote a book because he had um, Crohn's disease and, yeah. he, and he was like near death. Yeah. He wrote a book, which I know this because one time I went to get, I did a, like a, a cleanse and then a colonic and the and I asked the colonic lady, um, what are some good books about like they explain your system to you? Because I was like, this is a person to ask about, yeah. you know, because she had, oh, she had books for sale. She's like, uh the one this one yeah uh, patient heal thyself right so it sounds like and it's like it sounds like it's religious and he does talk about like be it if you ignore that yeah it's cool this guy taught himself you know stuff and the company is it's you know it's they they uh everything is responsibly but, done and it's vegan um so and gluten free you're vegan and gluten free i'm allergic to gluten yeah sure and you're allergic to meat i'm not allergic to meat just a principal thing um i've been eating fish lately oh yeah uh uh, occasionally, but l- actually not not so much. The colonic lately. thing, not too often, right? Oh, no, just that. I think I've done it twice. Not a good experience, is it? Uh, Come on, man. I mean, a colonic, it's like the, something you do once and you realize like, oh my God, did I just pay for that? Does it make me a better person? Did it accomplish anything? I think it really has to do with who's doing it. Sure. Because this lady told, like, she, like, rubs your feet and tells jokes all the time, and it's ridiculous. While she's doing the colonic. So yeah. you're, there, you're sitting there with something in you. But she's just talking. Right. She's just telling you these stories, and it's like they're-, they're What drove you to a colonic, Fiona? Um, what was it? Did you need to, like, did you, like, did you feel filthy inside? No, oh, no, you know what? I had a boyfriend at the time who, who needed to do it, so I did it with him out of solidarity. He, he needed to do Except they didn't do the fast. <laughs> so you went. You guys went and had like couples colonics. Yeah, I mean, well, also I had a, a woman living in um, my guest house at the time. 
Why yeah. is that? That's like I, I feel like everybody's talking about fucking colonics now. Really? Um, I haven't heard any. I've not talked about it with anybody. Maybe once. I haven't talked about it with anybody because it's not like a thing that I do. But, right. But at the time, also, um, uh, my my friend who was living in my guest house, she was she was really into that shit. She was. Uh, I don't think it's literally. healthy for some reason. Um. Yeah, it could be like it's like you know you wouldn't want to do it. It's sort of like douching. Like you don't want to disrupt wash the, everything. Uh, out. Right. 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 Because yeah. yeah. All right. So let's get back to your day. How does this happen with you? How do we end up? These subjects are not what no. I would picture us talking about. Really? What did you picture us talking about? I didn't because that's why I'm glad that it that 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 this just came about last night. Well, I just don't, like I know like I know uh, people uh, that know you. You know, I'm very impressed with your uh, amazing talent. I'm happy you have a record coming out. <laughs> You're one of those people that I don't know, but I tend to worry about. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just How sort do of like worry about me. Do they? Is that something you hear a lot? Yes. Well, no. It's just because I know that you're a uh, you're a very creative person, and sometimes uh, you know that causes turmoil. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, yeah. I, well, um, yes, I go through hellish pain, but so do you. But that, that's don't worry about it. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I you know I go through it myself, but I worry about myself. But there's like you know when I heard you had a record coming out because I don't. But I'm not checking the updates every day. I'm not doing the Fiona Apple updates every day. And, but when I heard I, you had a record coming, I'm like, oh, that's fucking good. There's a record coming out, and you're happy with it. Oh, I love it. Yeah? Yeah. I loved it when I was done with it. Two years ago. Two years ago. <laughs> but but wait, but you're being you're being really nice uh, and... and uh, uh, well, I don't know what you're being about it, but, 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 but we know each other a little bit through texting because I contacted you. You emailed me. Yeah. Yeah, and you said you like my show, and yeah. I was like, fuck, Fiona Apple is my show. But we're just right now making it seem like, I just made it seem like you look me up on the internet when it's me that actually contacted yeah, you, you. you contacted me, and I like I remember seeing the email, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Fiona Apple likes my show. What do I even do with that? How do I construct an email back to Fiona Apple? Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> I know, I never think about that, but I always think it's like a, actually, the same boyfriend that inspired the colonic, he um, also uh, said something to me once that uh, uh, that I just, that actually made me fall in love with him on the spot, sort of, that uh, he, he was saying that, you know, the, the thing about, like, not, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, forget that, but if you have something nice to say, say it. Yeah. If everybody said all the nice things that they had to say, then wouldn't it be a better place? And I was, got me there. <laughs> yeah. Is, um, are you still with this guy? Oh, no. no. But I'm friends with him. Yeah. Dude, is it the one I know? Oh, no. It's not not Jonathan. Oh, right. You know Jonathan. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's that's why, because I listened to the interview. The Jonathan Ames. And, and then also my brother had been listening to it, and I'd pass by and hear your voice. And you're like, that guy. And then you start listening to it. Mm-hmm. Mm. So let's talk about this turmoil. So for two years, this record has been done. <laughs> you just brought that up as though I had brought it up. Yeah. So this turmoil that you mentioned. Well, no, I mean, I, I just like, because uh, I, I want to know. I'm so on guard. <laughs> like, I, th- I think, well, I think you're a hyper creative person. So I, now that I know that this uh, this record's been done for two years, what have, you been, what have you been doing? So you go out, you go to Argo sometimes and you play with uh, with Benmont, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that crew, what do they call themselves? Is there a name for them? Watkins Family Hour? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in there. Yeah. I'm, I'm you, in that 
I'm and, in that band. I'm part of that band. And Largo's like this because I didn't. I don't hang around there much. But you've been hanging around since it was at the old Largo. I mean, it's been part yeah. of that. So that's John Bryan and you. And is Amy Mann part of this organization? Well, yeah. I mean, she has been. Um, she's definitely a big part of Largo. But although I haven't seen her in a long time. But who are the the guys you play with? Um, well, I'd play at Watkins Family Hour, so it'd be like Sean Watkins, Sarah Watkins, Ben Mont, Sebastian Steinberg, who's um, um, going on the road with me now on bass, and he's on the record um, playing uh, upright. This is like the last night at Largo, at the old Largo. Yeah. I wrote a song yeah. for Largo, which I, I think it's either an extra on the record. It should be like hidden someplace, or it's it'll be someplace. Mm-hmm. But I wrote a song for Largo, and uh, Paul Tompkins uh, had to notice that I didn't say his name in the song, even though I said like every I said a bunch of names in the song. How did Paul take that? Is he not talking to you now? <laughs> I I always feel like he hates me. Yeah, I feel that way too. I don't I, think it's I, an uncommon feeling. I don't. I think that I I feel like yeah. Why? But do I need- didn't used to feel like that. Really? Yeah. Why do we need Paul Tompkins' approval? Why is that? Because he's very bright and good, and yeah. you want and and you and you like him. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I just start being more paranoid or something. Are you? Do you get more? You're more paranoid. Although. Yeah. I was listening to Todd Glass' show, yeah. and Todd Glass said that he heard that I listened to his show, and. Paul Tompkins was on the show, and he said, "I bet she doesn't listen to my show." And I was like, "Fuck you! I've heard your show." Yeah. So you're you're actually you're engaged in all the podcasts in a very personal way. It's really now. This is just this is just you're just gonna everything's cause trouble. everything's crossed. Every world is crossed over. So can I ask you some? I'm gonna ask you questions. You grew up in New York yeah. City. Ah, uh, yes. Like all, your whole life in the city. Yeah. Um, we lived um, on 125th Street, and then Columbia University burned down my building on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. How do you yeah, know they burned down your building? What do you mean? How does that happen? How does a college burn down a, a building? There's a book written about it called the, We Are Talking About Homes. I can't believe I'm saying this right. Let me just say the most. <laughs> let me get my mom kicked out of the building. Is she still in the building? <laughs> yes, because there was a court case. Oh. Well, um, they didn't burn down the whole building. What happened yeah. was that this old lady set fire to the building because she had newspapers on the radiator. Yeah. And, um, uh, or, you know, and, uh, so when they evacuated the building for a few weeks, two guys came. They hired two guys to come in and finish the job so that nobody could move back in, so that they could turn it into dorms. Yeah. But for some, I don't understand what was happening. I think my dad came out here. He was out here because he was auditioning for television shows, and my mom had left with me and my sister. But our dog and our cats were still at the apartment with the building burned down i just remember we were living on 162nd street at this point yeah in a house in an apartment where when we moved in there was actually and i think this we moved into the apartment of like the daughter of my mom's best friend and her apartment the way that she had it first of all there was fucking roaches everywhere and it got to a point where like i would see a roach on my leg and i wouldn't freak out like I would, oh, if so I would like, put yeah. down my thing. Yeah, they it was like, too. It, yeah, it was not a big deal. Oh. I, I think about that now, and I'm like, <laughs> um, but also there was a Kermit frog crucified. Yeah, uh, legs crossed on the wall. It said "fuck Jesus." Really? Mm-hmm. And this was in your apartment. This was there when we when we got there. Yeah. Wow, that's is, creative. And oh, and there was uh, this is there was a 
a very colorful, like colorful place to live, actually, too, because we also had these robberies that kept on happening, and there was this golden bracelet that I had been left um, by somebody, and I can't I don't even know who, and and um, I would try it on every day, but it was yeah. so big. Right. Um, I guess I was like seven at this point. Yeah. And I tried on every day, tried on every day, tried on every day, and it's still too big, and I'd wait for the day, and then... Uh, we got robbed and it got stolen and it turned out that the people who stole us we couldn't they kept on coming back and stealing from us would you leave the door open no we it was a mystery we (laughs) found out we didn't realize it that behind the refrigerator that was there when we got there there was this door no and there was and the and thieves were were a really fat guy and a really skinny guy yeah and so the fat guy would Boom! The door open and push the refrigerator, and the skinny guy would slip through and just take your shit. Like cartoon character robbers came in and stole my golden bracelet. Are they wearing little masks. I know that's bur- how I pictured them. Burglar masks, and they're like tiptoeing in their French or something. Yeah, 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 with the berets. <laughs> yes. And they just they did it more than once. They just kept taking your shit. How'd you figure out what it, what was going on? I don't remember. I don't know. I guess my. I mean, I guess I know this because my mom told me about it after a while, like being you know laughing about it. I love the cru- crucified Kermit though. That's a good memory. I know. I want a crucified Kermit now. It's it, yeah. The well, the crossed legs is really. Well, I mean, you're seven years old. Cute. And there's you get to an apartment. There's a crucified Muppet that says "fuck Jesus." I mean, yeah, that's got to have an impact. I mean, you remember. And it. I met Kermit, and my dad used to be on Sesame Street. He did yeah. as a regular or occasionally. Regular when it was still in black and white in Buddy and Jim skits. Um, he was Buddy and Jim with Jim Catusi, and uh, they did these skits in black and white. And it's really they're really cute. Uh, and uh, yeah, he was on Sesame Street with Morgan Freeman, or was that well, Electric, that was Electric Company? Company? Oh yeah. damn, yeah. I'm trying to remember who was on Sesame Street. Well, you don't know. I mean, it's not really. But that must have been. He was you on know, like Gordon, the... Gordon, Gordon, Gordon. <laughs> yeah, Gordon was on. I know. I don't even remember all. The... And you know, Big Bird, Snuffle Up Again, sure, Oscar, Oscar the Grouch. Yeah. So your dad was on like the f- original Sesame Street, the original. And yeah. That, and that was he's so black and white. And was he a stage actor? Yes, he was a stage actor. He was from Tennessee, and he went to uh, New York or something on a like an opera scholarship or something. But he's but and then he was in he was in like Broadway shows, which is where he met my mom was a dancer. So um, did, did, when he was on Sesame Street, did kids at school like your dad? I was not born at that time. I'm oh. from the second family. I'm oh. the last of seven children. Really? Yes. So all these stories are before my time. They are just my heritage that I have. <laughs> you, you, this is what you've accumulated from people telling you what. You, but you remember the. No, these are facts. You know. Yeah. Oh, so so, okay. So there was this whole other family. Your father was married before your mother. Yes. And he had six kids. Five kids. Five kids, and your brother, who I just met, is he one of them? Yes. So you're the only. But we've all been. But but their mother have has always been very inviting to us so the kids were very how many are there with your mother just two just me and my sister Maud, who's also a singer oh do you guys compete no 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 (laughs) everything's cool yeah i mean well we're completely uh you know different what did you uh when you were younger how old is she younger than you she's older than me two and a half years all right, so you guys, all right, so your mom has you two and your dad, and your dad has an ex-wife with five. Right. I still have family yeah. in Tennessee. Do you, I was just in Tennessee. We're from uh, Carthage, yeah. Tennessee. 
So you have like Southern in you. Um, yeah, apparently we're this thing like, um, which I always mean to do research on, but never do. And I always mean to understand what the fuck my father is talking about when I ask him, how do you know that we're Melungeon? But there's this thing called Melungeon that apparently we're at because he did this genealogy thing. Melungeon? Melungeon. As it, it like goes to melange because it, ha- it has to do with, I'm not even going to try to get into it. It's just like. Sounds mysterious. What it, it's, what it, it's, it's because in the back. Uh, in the in the Appalachian Mountains, I guess. God, I'm gonna I'm talking out of my ass right now. Sorry. Right. Um. Uh. I don't like talking out of my ass. I think. I think. I think I'm. You're just doing speculative history. I, I'm a big fan of that. Well, I think that it's <laughs> well. Whatever happened. Uh. Like people would slave ships would. Uh. You know, crash or there'd be mutiny or whatever. Yeah. And then the 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 the. Back Mountain Tennessee people right. and the Indians and the people oh, from the it. slave ships sure. would all l- live in these in, an, in, in, a, in these communities, right? In a, in a, I think they're called uh, autonomous. Uh, I don't know what they're they're sort of hill people. Let's hide from the people who are right. going to, and then eventually they all make start their own little place. Yeah, being with each other, right? And then you get this Melungeon, right? I like that. I like it too. It's exotic and American and cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, it's and it comes like, from, and I like the idea of like people getting, not only getting along, but just being like, yeah, let's let's fucking make our world a, up here. Right, it's a collective. They won't come up here. Right. <laughs> so they're hill people. Fuck that. We don't have to, wait, wait a second, guys. We can leave that world. Yeah. And <laughs> they just, they built a whole world up there. Are they still up there? You don't know? No one knows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, they're not up there. Yeah. So when did you start the singing business? Mm. The singing business started happening... Um, like, when did you first know you had this, like, kick-ass voice? Mm, thank you. Um, I didn't... I didn't... I wasn't a singer. Um, I would write things on the piano. I'm actually the only... I'm the only woman in my family who's not a dancer, first of all, which sucks. And, uh, but I'm also the only person that wasn't a singer that didn't take singing lessons. Um, and when I wrote the songs that were on my demo and I brought them, um, to Andy Slater, uh, he, I was expecting that I was going to be like, uh, you know, somebody who they would give my songs to other people to sing. Right. The first thing he said was, well, first of all, you have a beautiful voice. And I'll remember that forever because I was like, uh, no. Yeah. He like, you were surprised? Wow. You mean no one in your family had said like, holy shit? It was more concentrated on like what I would write on the piano. Right. You know? So you weren't in your house like belting it out like you do? You were just sort of, no. No, 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 no. no. And who are, these dan- who are these dancers? What well, do you mean everyone's My a sister, my mother, my grandmother, my great-grandmother. Professional dancers? Yeah. Like ballet? Uh, modern show girls no not show girls like straight like like no, not like it. that I which would it. be fine also i mean well that's Broadway another thing shows. about my growing up a lot of it was following my father on the road when he was doing the burlesque show with sherry Britton, who was one of the first burlesque stars so it was m- me and my sister like uh you know every Backstage. night every night the strippers taking us to get to get m&ms from the uh, you know machine yeah and i'm sure my dad had every single one of them <laughs> so uh, like what was your dad's role in the burlesque show he was the he was like the vaudeville guy man on the street uh and uh the, you ha- know. the barker well no he was like he was like uh he he just he was kind of like uh he did like a little mime act with uh so, he's got a website at brandonmagart.com so he was the he was the comedic guy <laughs> in the burlesque yeah 
So you got so you're you're hanging around back room backstage watching. Girls. It was a great burlesque show too. There was like these pasties girls. I remember, and the whole yeah, bit. pasties and like they had this thing where they would sing "I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles," and they had these nighties, these blue nighties. My, my sister and I would do like these little plays, and we dress up in the way that the strippers dressed up yeah. because we didn't like. We sure. thought it was like it yeah. was these pretty like long trains in the back and yeah. then underwear and then like a, a hat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but like so, but but I remember they had this one number. I'm forever blowing bubbles, pretty bubbles in the air, and they had, they had these big blue balloons in front of them, and they had these short little uh, blue see-through nighties. Uh-huh. And at the end, they let the the balloons go, and the balloons carried away their nighties, uh-huh. and they were just there yeah. in their g-strings and their pasties. Look yeah. at your face lighting up. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm picturing like I, I know you're picturing, but it's conflicted because I'm picturing the actual burlesque, and I'm picturing two little girls doing that. So there's like there's something well, cute, and there's something slightly uh, you know. We didn't feel like there was, but it wasn't you know it's there wasn't anything no you i mean uh, you, you offensive about it. right of course not they were singing pretty songs fun. and they yeah. were then they were naked and mm-hmm. and we knew that it, that was fun and it was you know every it was you know raucous it wasn't, jo- jolly sex fun sure. time burlesque it, it wasn't, wasn't like sorted. no it wasn't yeah. these were not unhappy people these were these were people they were show people having fun so from early on you're sort of like drawn towards uh show business i mean you were in it it must have been very compelling like did you know like i'm uh, gonna live in this world no, uh, you know what the I like this about myself. Actually, I I think back when I was a kid, I never worried about what I was gonna do. Yeah, you mean you never thought about it, or you always knew? No, I I never thought about it. I never thought to worry about it. Like I never thought to worry about not doing well in school. I understood everything that you know. I understood that I should do my home that what I was supposed to do and I understood why and everything yeah. but I just wasn't worried like I can remember the only thought that I remember having about oh there were two thoughts that I remember having once I wanted to be later on like I took a self-defense course and I decided I wanted to be I wanted to teach self-defense classes that was this is after your record or before this was oh this was when I was like 14 okay. or 15 <laughs> like, like after you do a hit record it's like I think I'm gonna get into the self-defense <laughs> racket not really cut out for the singing thing yeah or I'm this is I'm gonna do this first and then I'll go back to the scene <laughs> it'll help yeah um so you you took a karate course or you didn't? No, um, I took I took a course called model mugging, and I went there when I was a kid. Uh, when I was uh, I, I, after my uh, what did I do? I went. I came out here. Yeah. Um, I was having my little rough time. I'd been attacked. Blah blah blah. Been and what? I, I'd been attacked and, uh, and shit. you were. Yes, we won't. Every everybody knows. Why? Why am I the guy who doesn't know anything? How was this? Be, be when you were younger? Before when? Yeah, when I was like thirteen, oh. I got fucked with in my building uh, by a stranger, and so then uh, I I came out here. I, like I went through a, a whole this whole time. My mom was telling me like you should take a self defense class and everything, and I I just couldn't. And I like and I you know I but I was going crazy because I couldn't I couldn't like come home without having a panic attack. You know. Right. Um, and so I came out here for a year of school. So then finally I did take the self-defense class. So I, I, and the lady Lane something, um, who ran the, who, who taught the class, um, which was like five hours a day for five weeks. I would go out on the train, uh, to someplace in yeah Rochester, New York or something like that. Um, and I, and I just, you know, we like would learn how to fight all day and all with all these 
all these women and stuff and and it was it was uh it was like just it felt great it's kind of raw isn't it when you're and in a i felt like i want to do this yeah. I want to do this. Like there was this woman, I can't remember her name, but she was like this beautiful woman and she was a young lady and she would, she seemed like she had been doing this for just a little bit of time, but she was good and she was special and she and she was one of the teachers. Yeah. And um and I and I was like I want to be her, you know. <laughs> yeah, did you ever have to kick anyone's ass? Oh yeah, we had the like the the guys um yeah, they do they do the whole thing like where they 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 say terrible things to you to, you know, to provoke Which, you, um, well, to make basically because if it happens in real life and they say it, you can get shocked and right. and, and it weakens you because you're like so in shock. I can't believe he just called me that right, he right. said he's going to do. Oh my god! Oh right, my god! Right. So they get you, you know, so that you're not like completely taken by surprise. So yeah, they like they'll say terrible things to you. They do drug assailant so that they're harder to knock out. Um, and um, I don't know how these guys know how to judge what would be a knockout hit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, but. They know, they know. But, yeah. But you never had to use it in real life? No, uh, no. And I find that, um, that really, if you get in a pinch, I, I really think that biting is the way to go. Yeah. I don't see- You can get in there? I think it's, re- I mean, like, I could do everything, that I, could, I could learn how to do a lot of things, but, I don't know. Biting. When you're a tiny little girl, you learn- that biting, biting works. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I dated this guy who 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 uh was a sort of wrestler and uh he and I I <laughs> I would like to wrestle. He'd he'd wrestle me and I'd uh and he'd be always trying to teach me and I wanted to learn how to wrestle, but it was too fun to just bite <laughs> to just bite him and it would just be all go to shit. Yeah. Over. <laughs> you'd be like, ah! <laughs> yeah, I win. <laughs> Just do something shocking. <laughs> it works. Go. It was a hummingbird at the window. It went away. I, hummingbirds. I have a lot of pictures of hummingbirds because I uh, have. I went through like a, a month, I guess it was, of there was this hummingbird that made a nest in my yard. Yeah. And I um. I I took I got a camera. Yeah. And I took I, I have some amazing. I have footage of humming baby 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 hummingbirds. Yeah pooping off the side of the nest because when i saw the eggs yeah <laughs> i started reading about baby hummingbirds and i read that they will do anything to avoid having poop in their nest which makes sense sure. but i thought about it and i thought how are they going to do that yeah and when you picture it you picture like these tiny baby hummingbirds stumbling around trying to poop off side of the nest. And yeah. I was like, I have to see that. And I spent all my time. This is what I did with my time. Yeah. The two years. <laughs> yeah. You're in. This is, well, no, this is like a month, but this is the kind of shit that happens to me. Right. That I'll you get obsessed a, with something like important... that. I got obsessed with an abandoned house for a while. And then, I, you know, there's this hummingbird. But this, this was hummingbird. a hummingbird and they project. They all have big lessons and they, yeah. it's always, it's a big. So the hummingbird project was to capture the babies. Pooping. Well, it was just I was excited to watch a lot of the the growing up because they were did, so close to well, my. Well, how did they do it? Um, I have I have footage. Yeah, I got two movies of it happening, um, and they they basically just they put their they position themselves with their butt up. Yeah, because they usually their heads are up because they're waiting for the food constantly. Right, right. Their little beaks are just sticking up. Yeah. And, um, but then they'll just, they'll just kind of, you'll see like this little kind of quiver yeah. about 10 minutes after the moms feed them and they kind of quiver yeah. and then they'll kind of shift around and then, you know, 
press record and then <laughs> go out there and press record yeah. and climb up the ladder and then they uh they just put their butt up and they projectile right over the nest right over the nest and in slow motion if you go like frame by frame yeah and then it you see like it's i think this is really interesting that it spreads out the arc of it looks exactly like a feather yeah if you pause oh, really? it in in mid motion of like the like the poop comes out and it's white. Yeah. But it um, just sprays and it falls like a feather. Yeah. Ah. Like yeah, like how everything just uh So once you captured that, were you done with it? No. What happened was I've been climbing up a ladder with my camera like right near these guys. Their mom has seen me. I go away when she comes. I don't go out there when she feeds them. I don't go out there when they're practicing flying. Right. You know, I don't go out there and disturb anything. I only go out there when she goes away right after she's fed them, when they're going to poop or when they're sleeping or whatever. And they've seen me since before I was there before their eyes opened. So they've always seen me. So right. they're not afraid of me. Right. Um, and the mom is sat when sometimes she's come back, yeah. you know, early and I, I don't know it and then I notice that she's sitting there watching me. So I know that she knows that I'm there. So after a couple of weeks I'm like, I'm they know me. I'm a cool. And yeah. I read that hummingbirds I'm in can with them. and hummingbirds can apparently recognize faces and they come back to the same place. Yeah. And there had been a hummingbird nest uh, there before. So so this per so this person this hummingbird knows me. Obviously yeah. he's come back um to the same spot. And um so this one day on Independence Day um I walked out there and I had had a drink or two because uh, compulsively, not really alcoholically, I had to quit drinking for a while and I quit drinking on this day for a few, for a few months. So this was the... Because yeah. I felt that I had killed these hummingbirds because what ha I didn't kill them. They didn't, I don't know what happened to them, but I prompted them to fly away. I walked outside. I walked outside every day. Yeah. But today I walked outside... Drunk. Yeah, and <laughs> whatever. I mean, that, that just made me more emotional and more like whatever. But um, but it wasn't because I was drunk or anything. I didn't do anything different. You I didn't wasn't verbally abused the hummingbird. No, I didn't do anything. Maybe they, but they were Get up the on the fuck out of here. They were. Uh, it was after. This was like three. They were at the time when they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, fly away. You know, fly away. Yeah. yeah. And I read later that the mom is supposed to push them off if they don't go away. But what happened was the mom went away and I was like, oh, I'm going to go out and film them. But then they were on the branch. And when I came out, they just flew away. And it was like all of a sudden gone after three weeks, every day, obsessed with them, every day, sitting either sitting in my kitchen, looking at them through the window yeah. or out there really looking at them. I mean, I have pictures of me holding the branch when the wind was really heavy and they fall asleep while I'm like. Yeah. filming them yeah. and you know they sometimes they reach for my finger for food or whatever and all of a sudden they flew away and i was like oh, i didn't see where they went like did, 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 i've never seen them fly yeah. and so i read later on that like uh that they actually hold on if they're not able to fly they hold on when they exercise their wings so, so that they don't get carried away so, it was time so to they go. yeah so if they flew off then they it was you know but i did what the mom was supposed to do so when the mom came back I'm, I went out there and I was looking for them. When my mom came back, she goes crazy. She's looking around for them. She's looking everywhere. And I'm sitting like eye level with her because of where my kitchen counter is and where the window is. Like yeah. I can look through and uh -huh. I'm at eye level with her. Uh -huh. And so she's like looking, she's darting around, darting around, darting around. And then I swear this little fucking, this, this hummingbird who knows me, who knows that I know her kids, right. swivels and comes right up to... Yeah the window and looks right at me like where are they yeah 
and I lost my shit. I just, that was, I didn't know. I was like, I felt so horrible. I, like, I didn't take her away. Oh my God, yeah. They do, they- I quit drinking because I had to, I was like, I was like, I have to do something Something that that I should do that I always say I should do to honor the mother humming, uh, hummingbird to, to make it so yeah yeah to yeah. make this into something good. Clearly, I was in charge of those children. I have to do something. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, no, I mean, I just feel like no, you have to, you have to, uh, you have to, um, you know, make make that make that have a purpose. Sure, but you felt guilty for some reason. Yes, because at the time, you know, and if. You know, I'm sure that if my brother were to be listening, if he can hear me right now or if, I don't know, whatever, but he would be laughing because, you know, he was laughing at me then going, you didn't scare them away, you know, like. And you did, but you did the research and you found that it was natural. You, you weren't at fault. Yes. Is that when you started drinking again? <laughs> no, no, I stopped. No, it, what was great is I stopped, I stopped um, drinking. I drink now. Yeah. I had a drink before I came here. It's okay. Um, I also thought it would be a good time to learn how to do a show without having a drink before the show. So the hummingbird sort of provoked you to stop so drinking, I did and then the you're monthly like... shows at Largo. Oh, okay. Also, at which I was able to say on stage, the record has been. Somebody said, "Do a new song," and I said, "I forgot to play them because the record's been done for a fucking year." Right. Because I, I knew that somebody would fucking put that on the internet, and it, then something would happen, and it worked. And they got they put the record out. Mm-hmm. Why were they holding the record? They weren't holding it. Um, there was no president. Oh, so it was a it was a political thing within the company. Yeah, for like a, a long time. Who produced there, this record? Me and Charlie Drayton. And you, so John Bryan had nothing to do with this one. Well, I mean, he's. I talked to him about it before. He listened to stuff, and I. He's been, you know, he's on my team all the time, like. Um, as a you know, just confidant. So when you first, when you were nineteen, when you did your first record, right? Or eighteen? Eighteen, I think. And it was fucking huge. And you were huge. Is it, was I? Yeah. It's not a- not large. You, I mean, you've always been. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, that's what I thought you meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, was I obese? You that? Yeah. But uh, I am, aren't I? But did that, like, before you got huge, like, I can't even imagine, because I talked to people in here before who, you know, almost, you know, within a year become larger, you know, so popular that I don't understand how they deal with it. I mean, how during that year that you were touring that first album, did you explode or or lose it? Well, I just asked you, right? Well, I was going to say something, and I actually have an interesting, a funny story um, that relates to this. Um, because I'm like, I just had to ask you, like, I was asking honestly, like, you actually think that I was huge then? Yeah. Like, I really like that was a big success that album. I was like, it was famous. Yeah. Because I don't think I didn't. All I, I mean, I knew that, like, I knew when people were being mean to me, and I knew that, like, I, that I was being misquoted. I knew that what what I was. But you knew you had hit songs, and people loved you. No. Really. No, I how, had no, I no, no, I didn't know about that stuff. How did you not know that? I mean, because you weren't I didn't, ten. Because I didn't. Because I didn't ever pay. I I purposefully um, didn't ever read anything about myself. I didn't. I didn't ever read reviews. I didn't ever. I mean, actually, well, with music, music wise, I don't. 
really I'm not worried about reviews. I know I'm right. Right. Whatever they say, it's their opinion, fine. Right. I know I'm good and I know that but I But you did knew when you went on right, tour but, that, you know, thousands of people were like, Fuck yeah. No. You were performing for them, weren't you? I don't go to concerts. I don't know what I was thinking, you know? I mean, I really, I mean, really, really, I was so fucked. I mean, I was so, not not like fucked up like I, I was totally like clean. I wasn't like on, yeah. I wasn't drinking at all. I wasn't on drugs right. or anything like that. But I mean, uh, uh, you know, I was so obsessive in my own little world of things that I, I don't, I don't know what the hell I was thinking about the audience or, I mean, I just really, I mean, yeah, I, I still pretend that they're not there because I feel like that's uh, the best thing to do for them just to focus in on what you're doing to to go through something and let the and i think that that i think that ignoring them is the best is my part in our relationship (laughs) (laughs) detach with love yes well because it's you i mean otherwise you know it's not really uh then i'm performing right if i'm you know if i'm not so you were able just to keep a a, like a a narrow focus on what you're doing and just i guess so i don't i don't know what the fuck i was thinking then you really don't? I was probably I was probably just thinking I have to get out of here. <laughs> I have to get out of here and go to the hotel and open every and try to open every door in the hallway, which is something that I used to have to do. As an OCD thing? Yeah. <laughs> always try to get into the into the always try to get into the main, like any kind of like uh, you know, maintenance room or something like that. The roof? Yeah, just just yeah. And Whatever what, you see. If that, you could get into a maintenance room, would you go in the maintenance room? Yes, I would have to. I didn't want to. <laughs> What'd you do in the maintenance room? Just stand Just there? Look at everything. <laughs> see every single thing inside. Was it was it relaxing? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not how it is. It's not like I love doing this. It's like I have to do this. I have to. So that was a ritual. You'd get off stage, you'd run away from the venue, you'd go to your room, but you'd check every door in the hallway uh, on your way to your room, and if the maintenance room was open, you'd go into the maintenance room and look at the machinery. Well, yeah, but they, I mean, it, they were hardly ever open, first of all. And also, uh, the, the um, you know, opening of doors would happen in the middle of the night, you know, when we'd pull in with the bus. Yeah. So... I could do it gently. So it wasn't like a, and I wouldn't have to do the whole floor. And I was tired enough so that I wasn't like that, you know. But if I did leave the hotel like on a day off and then came back, then I would really have to do, then I'd be alert and I'd have to. Do all the doors. Yeah. What other, what other things do you have to do? My main thing, uh, my mm. main thing is faces. What uh, does that mean? Uh, seeing faces in my head while I do certain things. And nowadays, here's the thing. Now I just like, if I have to, if I get stressed out and I do take medication, I'm not going to say what medication, but medication helps, but it doesn't, you know, you never really, unless you just over medicate, you never, it's, it's there. And for, when you get stressed the, out. For the OCD. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll let myself do something, um, like ridiculous if I know that it's just right there and, and, you know, it's, it's, if that leads to everything else, it's, it used to be that like, if I did one thing, then I'm in the world. Like what? Um, like if I walk over the threshold of a, 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 in a doorway, or if I walk in a, a water, many, many things, most things have to do with ablutions and eating. Anything food or, or having to do with cleanliness, you know? Yeah. 
Like, uh, actually, well, with food, it's more of like uh, colors of food. If things don't look right, like I'm, uh, uh, like I like it's uh, I I I've I've had. You could call it an eating disorder, but it wouldn't be like because I was trying to avoid uh, foods that were fattening. It was because I couldn't either decide what to eat or I or the color wasn't right of this thing. Like I would eat something that was more fattening if it was the right color. Right. But they also have to be pure. Like I can't have too many ingredients. Right. I, I'm, it, it, and there has a picture of it in my head. Right. And there's a picture of the day and the day has a shape. And, right. and the colors and the shapes, it's like that's not it's not it's an issue of like that's not the right shape. Right. It doesn't fit into the shape of the day that I have in my head. Right. It needs to be that way. It's like yeah. it's like it's like a close encounters of the third kind. Like I need to have this shape. Right. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're building the mountain. Yeah, and it, yeah. there's and I know it's pointless, but I need it. Right. Um. So it'll affect like with food, it'll affect like the colors of the food that I eat. Um. Have to be uh what's right and oh with clothing too. Even though I'm not like a fucking fashion horse or whatever clothes horse. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. Clothes are so important to me. The funniest fucking home video of me ever is when I'm like five years old and it lasts about 10 minutes and there's J- and James Galway is playing in the background and I'm making this costume, which I was always doing like with construction paper and tape. And I'm the whole the whole time my sister's dancing around, just enjoying the music and dancing around whole time i'm not ready i'm not ready yet i'm not ready yet because i'm just keep on taping this thing is this tape is not right on my right, knee right, this right. construction needs could to never finish there. it yeah never finish it finally finish it yeah take one spin fall flat on my face <laughs> all that work <laughs> build up build yeah. up build up build up it's, yeah. it was like it was scripted it's so funny to do you, me. now do you have more of a handle on this shit now yeah because um i came to uh uh uh, learn more about the the uh, what the brain. Yeah. Um. And to see it as uh you know more of you know you gotta put it in its place. Yeah. And um. Right. You can make choices. Because the, the problem choices. with the with like with me with like faces like because I would have to like if the what water. What is the faces okay, thing? I don't. The faces. Understand. If I if I think of a I will I would always think of faces when I was doing something, crossing a threshold in a room. Uh, when I would turn on the shower, when the shower, when the water hits the floor of the shower, yeah. um, when I put shampoo in my hair, when the shampoo touches my hair, you got to you know, think of a face. When the when the soap, yeah, even when I wash my dog, like, like whose face? I don't have to do that now. I but, mean, now I'm talking about it, so you'll probably send me into the. <laughs> but like, what kind of face would you have to see? People that I know, or um, it will always be uh, the thing happens that that it would make me have to repeat things is I see the wrong face. Yeah. So I would see the face of somebody say that like I had, um, like, uh, you know, I. Uh, like this night at Largo and I uh, I felt like I had been inadvertently rude to Paul Tompkins and it bothered me later. Like then I would probably see Paul Tompkins face, right, you know, right. when the water hit the floor and, and, the I, wrong face. and I would have to think of somebody else's face um, who I was getting along with. <laughs> so <laughs> you have to turn the person. water off and on again? Yes. Okay. And, and there's uh, there's people that are just, you just don't want to think about. And and you think this is just a a, a chemical thing, or you, can you try trace it back? How long have you been doing that kind of stuff? Well, I mean, I well, I couldn't wear uh, anything with seams when I was uh, a kid. Uh, my outfit when I was like a toddler was uh, like I had to wear like tube socks and like um, why because they just it seems I very sensitive to um, you know the way uh, they felt or the the idea of them. 
the way they felt. Okay. Just, um, just, yeah. just, I didn't, I'm still very particular about like what I, what clothes feel like, you know. Now when you, when you play music or write songs, did it get you away from this? Is there some sort of reprieve? I mean, does this drive oh, yeah, your creativity? <laughs> yeah. You know um, what I mean though? I mean, because like, you know, clearly your brain is, you know, overactive and constantly, seeking order like what's the songwriting process then does it come in like just sort of blasts the song yes the songwriting thing is in blasts i mean i think that i'm thinking about it all the time but in terms of like music and being at the piano that's in blast now it used to be different um but when it when it became before there were words it was different yeah that was when i was that was when i was really that was before the world you know had its way you know when you were just playing <laughs> yeah when i was like when i was like a really good work ethic and was it was just jolly about like let me show you what i've yeah constructed here I've, yeah you know just on the big, piano yes long long pieces and um uh the 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 singing part i it, well at first started because i wrote a song for my friend but i think that the i started writing um because i would always get into the situation i had a really i have i have really unique uh parents uh including a stepfather that raised me um in new york and my dad raised me when i was out here and my mom um they're they're very wonderful people and there's lots of laughter in my uh in my home growing up also lots of lots of just lots of passion lots of you know screaming and and fighting and crying and laughing and you know so your parents got divorced and your mom got married well my parents were never married my dad and my mom were never married okay but but when they split up my mom uh met a guy when i was four yeah and and what'd he do uh he was 24 um, and he was, uh, and he was, uh, he, he became an accountant, but he plays guitar and he's, you know, he's, he's not an accountant anymore. He does the, like, I, I, I don't have the proper title. Sorry. Sorry, you, bird face. You don't know what he does. Um, he does, he does something for parties. Like he has like party equipment, like he rents like virtual reality kind of stuff. So he's in, in the entertainment equipment rental Robert business. Robert Pressman. Oh, he'd be so mad at me. Yeah, I mean, this has all happened. He has a different family now, and so this has happened. This is his different life. When right. he was my stepfather, he was an accountant. Okay, and he was around for how long? Um, from when I was four to about sixteen. But everybody loved you, and there was a lot of uh, laughing and playing and fighting, and it was all very exciting. And he started singing. Yes, but I was the person that would walk into the room and 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 you'd hear. Here comes Miss Sunshine. Oh, really? Yeah. In a sarcastic and, way. Yes. You're heavy-hearted. And I and I was I, I were was you a terror? To, I wasn't a terror. I was just I didn't I didn't like anybody. I didn't like anything. Like I uh, I would say I uh, my stepfather Robert used to say uh, that I should have a we need to get you a T-shirt and it'll say I hate on the top and then you could just fill it in for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like is that when you started writing songs like um, or, or like oh, vocalizing it'd be like, stuff? also just because of being the youngest all the time everywhere um i i can just remember just feeling like i have so many important things to say and no one will listen to me and they, i just re- remember hearing so many times like you're fucking 12 you know yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and i just like no or or they'd be having fun and you know there was like a lots of um i did sorry guys but it's true i did do the counseling uh 
marriage counseling with my uh, mom and my stepfather a lot and then we'd have a fight about me and I couldn't be listened to and so I think that I learned after a while that like okay stop trying to be heard in the fight go to your room write a speech a kick-ass speech come back later read it to them yeah set it down did you do that yeah (laughs) (laughs) please sit down it really was it really was and was that really the first time you were able to expressively write? Was these speeches to put your parents in their place? I wrote short stories and stuff, yeah. but 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 that was. I mean, that's the that's. I mean, that's. I guess it was. I don't remember how many times I did it, and I'm wondering now, like, what would I? I don't think my mom will hear this, but like, I wonder what she would, if she would even remember hearing the speeches. Do you remember them? Um, oh, I wish I'd, I, I, I could, I don't know. I have, I used to write, le- I wrote so many declarations of things. I wrote, I used to be so cool with like writing. I would think about big issues. I would, I would like cut class, but I would go to the library and I would read about stuff. I remember reading about the Janes. I'll read about the Janes. Yeah. Uh, with their fan and the, with the, the bugs and stuff. And, um, and, and, and I would write it and I would think about it. And then I would be up in my little loft bed late at night and I'd be writing about my opinion about, about life after death or whatever and it just I'd, I'd figure out what I knew about things and I, I really um, actually yeah early on I, I uh, because of quote books of philosophers I thought that philosophers just come up with quotes <laughs> yeah. so I thought I'm a philosopher yeah. I want to be a philosopher I want to come up with quotes so you wrote some quote books mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah songs are pretty good for that sure so are jokes So and poetry too I mean it's, that's what yeah. poetry is mm-hmm. so yeah and jokes too that's true so you were uh, yeah you just crunch it down you, you, it's almost like an equation, uh, a truth equation. Yes. Where you just sort of minimize it, you cut it down, you're like, it's almost like a riddle, and it's like, yeah. oh, it's all right there. Yeah, and it all, for me, um, yeah. is is an issue of that everything is the same. It's like everything's a fractal. Everything everything you can compare everything to everything. I'm always looking for how this relates to, like, uh, for me, it's usually like, how does the working of the making of a, of a bookcase relate to what just happened in my life with my boyfriend right, right. but you can do that you can totally sure. find sure. break where, it down yeah break yeah. it down i think yeah so that's, and that's amusing and that's it's like mechanics and structure and it's like i understand yeah, yeah i yeah, understand yeah. how this shit works so that's where you build the metaphor mm-hmm. right yeah. yeah and why metaphors are so satisfying oh yeah yeah especially if they hit and they're just right Boom. right because and that actually does make sense because you know we got this language yeah that we take for granted that but that is really also a little bit uh you know has too much credit because we've got these words that you know like like i hate the fact of like i hate thinking about uh you know did you love this person i was in love with this person uh for me like i don't think that uh like every single relationship that you have is a completely different species of love right it's not the same thing ever so it's like have you been in like you can and for me that never dies it changes into a different kind of thing um for For anybody even if you're not with them anymore yeah well for me yeah usually for me i'm i'm always like i just it just matters a lot to me how they're doing right well in terms of like expressing the well with each each person the dynamic's going to be different so and each person is their own different country 
So the love is sort of like a whole different state of interaction. So you don't find that you you're find you don't find yourself in relationships with a similar type of dynamic. Everyone's just completely different, and you see everything as a different thing. Well, I mean, every person, the feeling is a different thing. Sure. For me, it's not like I don't, I don't I don't get it when people are talking about relationships, and uh, you can't help but compare one to the other. Sure, because you notice what you like right. now that right. you were missing before you didn't realize, or you that learn you miss now sure. that you were getting that you didn't realize. You know? right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you can't help but notice that, and you should. Um, but um, but really. To, to compare relationships is like or to or to rate them or you know is is ridiculous to me yeah. it's like uh it, because they're completely different experiences yeah. it's the the in love that i had with this person is not at all the in love that i had with this person first of all because i wasn't me then <laughs> i was that person then <laughs> i mean do you think in the future you're going to be somebody else again like yeah, like no matter what, you keep changing. Well, so there's nowhere to judge yourself. I against. mean, well, yeah, like yeah. in five minutes, I, I will know. be on the I, ride home. I'll be different. Yeah, you know, the, uh, tomorrow I'll be different. Uh, I, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll be. So when you write these songs, when you have these relationships, do these does it because it seems like your brain, uh, even in the OCD, I think OCD in its purest form is about uh, control and problem solving. Uh, you know, does you know, does your songwriting seem to put things into context for you? I mean, is it that personal? Uh, yeah, I well, there's different reasons why I would write songs, right? why I do write songs. Um, a lot of it is... Uh, a, a lot of it comes from from just an earnest desire to say something to somebody real that won't allow me to, to say it to them in person hmm. or who hasn't understood me properly yet. And then- Like so, giving a speech to your parents. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so well, I just need it to have it said right, right. out there in the world. Right. Because maybe you don't understand now, but I, I need the truth to be told. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, when I made my first record, I really did, really, really did think that that was going to solve everything because I thought that this will be my hello. I am. This is me. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Let's skip it all. And if you like this, then let's be best friends forever. And I'll always be loyal. And let's hug. And you know, like I, that's yeah. what I wanted. So you, you you created a lot of best friends, way more than you probably could have ever handled. Well, that's not how. That's not what happened. <laughs> now it seems to be what happened was what, what. What I mean, I'm enjoying myself now. Like having like uh, like people uh, receive me for interviews. I like come and meet people and sit down and 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 they don't have that that smirk look on their face anymore like, for some what, reason uh, that they a... used to have when I was cat. We like eat, well uh, like so that you'd sit down and they'd be like. So uh, it's interesting. I was just uh, I was um, I was talking to my friend the other day, and we were talking about you, and we we're like, you know, it's, it's so interesting. Why does everybody hate you? You know, like it's so funny. Like people would just come to your. I know a lot of people that like just went to your show just to see if you would like break down and like t do something totally ridiculous. Just these that kind of stuff. I that kind of attitude where you're like it's gone. I think that um, actually the people uh, well. I don't care anymore, so I think I don't notice so much. 
Um, but also, and, your body of work speaks for itself, and they, you know, you've you've kept up a, a fucking con- finally. I mean, nobody ever said anything bad about my music, right? They just thought you were nutty. I kind of wish they had, because then I would have actually really stood up for myself. Well, what was going on with you where you have these sort of uh, meltdowns and stuff on stage? I'm a human being. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, in the moment, I didn't have meltdowns. No, you just you would leave. No, I wouldn't leave. I did once at Roseland. Oh, it was just once? Yeah. Okay. I only left once, and I felt bad. What, but what happened in that moment? Um, in that moment, I couldn't physically stop crying because everything was so wrong in life at that very moment and having to get on that stage at that moment in my life. And then... uh and and then I couldn't hear myself, and there was this, uh, I can't remember who had played there the night before, but they had cleaned the place because everybody had thrown up in the front row, and so they cleaned it with ammonia, and there was this smell. It was just, a, every, it was like a perfect storm of, of sensory and real, uh, just... Uh, yeah, I get it. Drag, dragging across the coals. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, just awful. Everything smelled bad and dirty. But and 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 I was I was not gonna be doing a good show. And it, I. You're I, entitled to one. Uh, I'm not doing this. Thank you. <laughs> I made it up. I made up the show, and you know, I yeah. I made I'm, I'm I learned people, from it. Yeah, people are fucking piranhas. They're just they're vultures. They just want to you know rip something. I mean, I really had no choice at that time though. Really, like I I for like an hour on? afterwards, I can't say everything that was going on. <laughs> yeah, I can't say um, relationship stuff. Um, well, anything that involves another any other human beings all right, all right, all right. you know yeah, is is a dangerous territory to start talking about things when you're complaining right you know yeah but um, you're better now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i feel like uh actually i love um i love roseland the story because i i love saying roseland now because i remember that was a bottom of some kind correct oh the world was done and i was just starting a tour for which album? Uh, I guess the second one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I was already kind of under. The expectations know. were high. No, I was under. I was already uh, under uh, like attack for shit. You know, not under attack, but like like what? So like, funny. Like she's you, back and she's not. I like, could have said none of this, and you would think that I was just always totally successful and and loved and everything. It's just my perception of things. I'm coloring your perception of me now. Now you know me as the person that everyone hates because I'm telling. That I am. No, look, I, I, you know, you're a person that, you know, obviously has, you know, struggles within herself and, and is misunderstood. But, but is this fucking more noticeable with me than other people? I don't understand. I think that when you're intense and you're brilliant and, uh, you, you have a certain passion, you, you're very, you're, you, when you want to be, you're wide open and you're delivering the goods. And, and what that means also is that you're as vulnerable as you can be. So for you to be at your best, and for you to be thoroughly expressing yourself, you are wide open. So when someone is wide open, that means assholes are going to be like, ah, and they're going to poke at it. Yeah. But it's a vulnerability that you bring that's necessary for you to fucking be great. But I think that I'm not worried about it, though, because I mean, that just has to happen a few times and you have to like feel really terrible. And I mean, like, yeah, people poke at you, but uh, but. I don't 
think that I can help it. Uh, I, I don't, cause I don't, here's, here's an analogy of, of, of the physical version of this. At my house, about twice a year, we have to fix the faucets, uh, every, every handle on everything. Yeah. People can't open the bottles that I close. And I don't know that I'm doing this yeah. with things. Yeah. And I don't feel tense all the time. But I do things really hard. And I, it's like my brother kind of does that too. Like he sits things down really right. hard. But I like do things quiet, hard. Like like I'm, I'm, I just, I don't know that I'm doing it. And so sometimes I'm like, I, I'm, I'm actually curious. Like, I, do, did I seem, am I intent? Was I too? Because like I got told a lot when I was a kid um, by people who didn't want to be my friend anymore that I was too intense. And I don't doubt that I was, but I didn't feel like I was being. Ooh, and I, yeah. and people in the street would be like, Smile. You know, some people, I don't know. Like I, I, you know, I have similar issues. I'm not, uh, I'm not a beacon of light all the time. Your resting face isn't a smile. Yeah, no, I, I always look a little cranky or a little angry or a little in my head or a little too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, there are just some people, I, I've grown to believe it's some sort of hypersensitivity and you know some people can pull their shit together and behave properly in public other people it's not gonna happen that's why i like to do this um thing where you um where when you see a really old person whose whose face looks really mean this is a fun game to play is to smile really really big at them because half the time they actually, you think they're just going to like keep on scowling, but it's just because they're old and they've scowled a lot in their life or they're just wrinkled. Right. But all of a sudden out of that face, they'll be like, yay! Yeah. And they'll smile so nicely at you. And it feels, it's like, it sounds so stupid. Very but, rewarding. It, but yeah, totally rewarding. And when they don't, you can be like, ha, <laughs> nasty old fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. Look, you know, sometimes, you know, the world ways have differently on different people, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know, but they, but you're, you're happy with the record. I love the record. Well, I love the record. Well, I'm so glad that you're, uh, you know, evolving and, and you seem to be very self-aware of all this shit that might have uh, brought you down before. Um. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the key is that you have to know that you're going to be down again. <laughs> Keep fighting. You just got that's that, just just know how to get yourself out of it and remember. <laughs> That you're going to be down again after this. I wonder what the. I think I find that if I'm worried about one thing, it's good to have something else to to, to worry about after that. The distracting worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You want to plan ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about this shit. You got so much shit to go through for the yeah. rest of your life. This is just one thing, and in a few years, you're going to think this was easy. So just. <laughs> but do you ever have like? Can you stop the the noise? Can you stop the rain from <laughs> Can you? Can I you, just did some people pricing. Did, do you, can you ever? Do you ever like stop the noise? Do you have any peace? Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for talking to me. Thank you for talking to me. Okay, that's our show, people. That was that entire conversation was a surprise to me. I, I, I didn't, uh, you know, they, it came about in a very organic way. You know, I've been in touch with Fiona before. I knew she had a new record out. She texted me uh, about something, about a, a song, I don't know what. And I said, let's do the show. And she and I knew that with someone like her, that, uh, you know, it would be an impulsive thing. And that's what you got. It was an impulsive, wonderful conversation. I'm so glad she came by. I hope you enjoyed that. 
Um, just go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF needs. Get some merchandise. Kick in a few shekels. Get the premium app. See who's been on the show. Maybe do a little commenting. Try to be nice if it's possible for you commenters. Some of you are. Some of you, eh, I don't know. Uh, what else? JustCoffee.coop. Sure, I'll do this. Pow! Whoa! Look out. I just shit my pants. Did I do the wait for it? Wait for it. Yeah, throw that in. Mix it up. Put it at the beginning in your head right now. Justcoffee.coop. Available at WTFPod.com. As I said before, I'll be in Nashville. I'll be at Nashville. I will be at Nashville. I'll be in Nashville at Zany's, July 20th and 21st. I will be at the Steve Allen Theater at the Trippany House uh, this Tuesday. That is the, uh, the 17th. Working out the new business. Trying to. And uh, aside from that, I'll be at Montreal just for Last Festival. So if you want to find me there, we're doing a live WTF there and uh, doing a stand-up show and I'm taping a gala set and uh, and that's where, we, uh, that's where we're at. Oh, I'm fucking congested. All right, now let's continue our performance piece. Boomy. Boomer. Boomy. Boomy. 